You're listening to The Florida Man Murders, a true crime comedy podcast about murder, madness, mayhem, and other shady shit that goes down in the Sunshine State. Each week, your hosts, Chris, Roger, and Siege, take you on a dark, twisted journey through the bowels of the most wretched fiends and nefarious events throughout the history of Florida, and then make inane, quote-unquote, funny observations about it all, like the half-soused nitwits that they are. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the crazy, if you dare. <laughs> Mom! Mom's! <laughs> hey, shut up! Mom, will you turn off the goddamn soap operas? He's talking about murders in there. I heard him. <laughs> murders, huh? What kind Every of murders week, are you talking about? Once a week, Friday nights at midnight. He's in a satanic <laughs> cult, I'm telling you. <laughs> Every time I put my ear to the door, it's another murder. <laughs> Gladys, come here and listen to this. <laughs> Gladys, come here. Shh, shh, be quiet. Listen to him. Again with the murder. There he goes. He's again. talking about it again. He's talking about it again. Listen, listen, Gladys. <laughs> listen with the, the racism and the murdering and the, and, the, and the flowery floats. And some bones on a savory road. Del- sounds Is delicious. he talking about What's he talking about? That's ridiculous, Gladys. Is he talking about a... I knew there was something wrong with that siege boy. I knew I knew something. Mom, stop picking up the phone! Mom, I knew you were outside. We have to start over! (laughs) Mom! Because of you! (laughs) What's going on over there? I told you to get me the the top-of-the-line MacBook. I gotta deal with this shit. Why are you guys fighting over there? They're always just fighting. Estelle, get over here. Why are you always fighting? Estelle. You the boy alone. I didn't even know they still made IBM Tough Books. <laughs> they don't. It's from 1986. Ah, leave him alone. He wants to yeah. talk about murders. Let him talk about murders. Ah, he's having fun. Leave him alone in there. He's having a good time. He's got some new friends. Leave him alone. He's, he's not fine. out there doing the drugs. <laughs> he's not doing the murders. <laughs> He's just talking about him. at midnight. <laughs> well, welcome back, everyone. <laughs> it's, been, uh, it's been an interesting night here in Audio Land. We have spent several hours together at this point. <laughs> we are quite delirious. Don't know what day it is. I haven't seen my family. <laughs> All right. All the uh, huh. audio, oh, Jesus, sees your face is huge. Me? Yeah. Ah, don't, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what a feelings are going on in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a camcorder from the 90s. And just, it's one of the guys we're going to talk about. It's found footage. Some fucking maniac. Is this thing on? <laughs> oh, good. The red light was flashing on the side. <laughs> Take right. a trip into my body cavity. <laughs> Come along for the ride. All right. It sounded like the guy getting ready on the Himalaya. <laughs> Take a ride that, on the body cavity. That voice never goes away in your brain. Once the first time you hear it, it just yeah. it stays there forever. You want to go faster? <laughs> you want to go faster? I can't do it. It's hyper fucking inside local shit. That's <laughs> Santa's Enchanted in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Hell yes. Did they move it again? They keep fucking moving it. Like they're running from the IRS or some shit. <laughs> I mean, Too what many carny bodies left behind. <laughs> <laughs> Got to move again, boys. It's on an ancient carny burial ground. Yeah, yeah I don't know where it is. Bury a whole gravitron underneath the ground <laughs> at the last one. It was it was filled filled all the way up to the top. Yeah, 
That's cool. We cut off all their hands so nobody could identify them as carnies. <laughs> there's, a, there's a freighter 14 miles off of shore in international waters just full of hands. <laughs> all right. It's just it's just an armpit. It's just a fucking armpit staring at the angle of your armpit. From in, the inside maw of your mouth to a fucking hair. Do you want me to do armpit. it this way? What the fuck is happening now? Wow. <laughs> He's sideways. <laughs> trippy, trippy shit. <coughs> Hour 75 <laughs> of trying to record this podcast. Day 27. I have no word from anyone yet. Delirium has set. My left arm started, stopped working. I began to eat my right foot. <laughs> it was the more delicious of my feet. It was quite good. People are like, what the fuck is this episode, man? How are these fucking assholes doing? Just release all of this. Oh, it's, yeah. it's going in, baby. Yeah, stay tuned this week. No, people don't have that fast forward through this shit. This is this is yeah. who we are. <laughs> this is who we are. What's What's funny is they'll probably like this more than the rest of the show. Oh yeah, especially this week's fucking story. Oh, oh, man, joy, 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 joyfulness. Let's, Let's get go. back to the racism. In the four yeah, hours. Well, we're back to the top. <laughs> uh, all right. Oh boy. Dateline, Florida, eighteen fifty-five. Every time you do that, I think of the uh, sprinklers in Caddyshack. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be like a typeset, like, yeah. you know, old-timey, old-timey news announcement, real. but uh, it, it does sound like a sprinkler. They, I mean, but I Florida, 1855. they didn't have those sprinklers in 1855, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and I'm very... Oh, my God. I'm known as a Mike, Michael Winslow type <laughs> when it comes to my uh, sound... My sound impressions, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do robots, I do lasers, I do all kinds of shit, whatever. Yeah. It's all it's good, Like, I do all that shit. So, whatever you, if you need me, hire me. You know where to find me. Police Academy on Twitter, as long as I'm there. <laughs> all right. So, Dateline, right. Florida, 1855. It's in the 1800s, so you know it's going to be racist as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, uh, yeah, yeah, sounds right. So a man named Dr. J.D. Stark, he owned himself 23 slaves. He brought his 23 slaves to a small patch of undeveloped land in central Florida. He found a parcel of land where, he, where there was a big body of clean water to battle his wicked case of malaria. Stark built a small village there that would, over the next few years, blossom into a sizable city where Confederate veterans began moving after their collective racist asses were handed to them in the Civil War. Eight years later, on July 31st, 1863, in Pleasant Hill, Alabama, Sidney Johnston Katz was born to Confederate Captain Samuel W. Katz and his wife Adeline, uh, little Sidney J. Katz was named after Confederate General Albert Sidney Johnston. Love a good Confederate general. Yeah, yeah just a long... <laughs> nice, nice to continue the racist Confederate energy there with names. Pass it down from generation to generation. Yeah, yeah you get your own Negro and you get my name. <laughs> and you That's get your own works, name. <laughs> Uh, when he was three years old, his nurse accidentally stabbed one of his eyes with a pair of scissors. Because she's a good nurse. <laughs> that woman was, I was accidentally, you sure about that? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I really hope this nurse was uh, a black person. Sounds <laughs> yeah. um, like a hero to me. <laughs> from, March, from a March 28, 1917 clipping of the old Palm Beach Post the newspaper. Ben Volin. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> He's still rooting for the Patriots back then. Yeah. <clears throat> Quote. He, 
Sidney J. Katz was born on the Katz Plantation near Pleasant Hill, Alabama, and came of distinguished Southern blood. At the age of three, an unfortunate accident deprived him of sight in one eye. The wound was inflicted by a pair of scissors accidentally while he and his nurse were cutting pictures. Wasn't an accident. Mrs. Katz was left a widow soon afterwards in comfortable circumstances. That's a, that's just a weird like turn. Yeah, what what is that? All? Like, what's that connection there? <laughs> How does I that? T- totally yeah. like the f- first. 13 times we recorded this i missed that but this time <laughs> yeah it really stuck yeah out it's me. just like where how did they go from like hey <laughs> oh her poor son he's fucked he up fucked up his eye oh and by the way his mother was a widow <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's how papers operated yeah. back in the day uh, all right well you know um <clears throat> now sydney j katz was very friendly with men <laughs> who would end up founding the Ku Klux Klan in Florida, mainly because he agreed 100% with everything the KKK was about. Racism. Mm-hmm. Brotherhood. <laughs> uh, Scissors. But while his colleagues preached the Klan's message with robes and sheets, Sidney J. Katz spread the same message, but through politics. In 1916, while Florida Klansmen were struggling to get their fraternal order going, Sidney J. Katz was on his way to the governor's mansion touring the rural backcountry in a black Model T, quote, sounding the warning against the encroachments of Satan and a widely proclaimed message of support for the American flag, prohibition, and the little red schoolhouse against the menace of the convent, Rome, and Africa. Why is the schoolhouse... Rome. <laughs> Evil Rome. And knowledge... You don't like those things. No good education. And to this day, we still hate education. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is a tenets <laughs> of our democracy. And the love of America. <laughs> the love of the American flag. So in 1917, Sidney J. Katz ran for governor of Florida as the prohibition candidate and won. Boo. In his inaugural speech, he said, quote, your triumph is no less in this good hour in beautiful Florida, for you have withstood the onslaughts of the country and state political rings. Corporations, the railroads, the fierce opposition of the press, an organization of the Negro voters of this state against you, and the power of the Roman Catholic hierarchy against you. Yet over all these, the common people of Florida, the everyday cracker people have triumphed. Love a good cracker. <laughs> great great impression of him that's that's sydney in a nutshell like Dude, i'm you telling you i was tired and you sounded exactly that's like it just like brought me back yeah <laughs> inc- just incredible uh, yeah i mean you know just had to dig deep for that one you just you just embody 1800s <laughs> racism every time you just talk. embodied a one-eyed racist <laughs> piece of shit mom would be proud uh, the following. No, di- no mention of Disney. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which I, uh, the, I'm a little surprised that he didn't no, get into that, but I guess it wasn't around no, yet. Or no mention of the woke, the wokeness, woke mom, or little correctness, <laughs> and whatever other fucking dog whistle bullshit. No, he just went straight for Negro and everyday cracking people. <laughs> yeah, he just went, no beating around no the bush. Around the Sydney, Sydney J. Katz does not fuck around. <laughs> yeah, hopefully he didn't have a parade or anything like that to... Uh... Well, so the following, the following years would embolden the Klan throughout Florida and make them a mainstream organization in popular culture. They call themselves the Invisible Empire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking yeah, stupid. Sure, whatever. We're going to be mainstream, but we're invisible. We're everywhere, but we're visible. Well, you're going to have to find us first, because we don't exist. (laughs) One night in Jacksonville, the Klan held a parade where they had all the streetlights in the business district turned off during the march so they could make a mysterious disappearance. Which, if they were really invisible, they wouldn't need to have happen. (laughs) Right? Uh, It just... 
stupid idiots. And my signal turn off all the lights. They're going to freak out. <laughs> but, sir, they're all gas lanterns. We're going to have to go by them. <laughs> I said do it anyway. Get on your horse, <laughs> goddammit, and blow every one of those motherfuckers out. Get your yeah, fingertips right. wet and just get that wick with your pointer <laughs> finger oh. and your thumb. It's supposed to look like we disappeared. So All together now. It's going to take like two or three hours, I promise you. I mean, we could do it like really quick. But... I said no, god damn it. Okay, whatever you We say, turned so off all the lights, but we can still see you because, you know, you're wearing white. Uh, <laughs> close your eyes. <laughs> and tell everyone to close your eyes at the same time. Now, go. Ooh, we disappeared. We're... We wear the white so you can see us because we are uh. invisible. <laughs> Idiots. Uh, <laughs> soon after planting their flag in the state, the violence began. A minister in the black part of Miami was taken out of his church and flogged by the Klansmen. He was tarred and feathered for, quote, preaching Negro equality. He was then warned to leave town under pain of death. The Klan soon began it's to a, keep black it's people. It's a wonder he survived that. I mean, just fucking tarred and feathered. Yeah, that's awful. <clears throat> yeah, and on top of that, they're like, okay, now leave town. Or worse, or worse will happen. Yeah. Um, so the Klan soon began to keep black people from voting. And in Jacksonville and Orlando, they held parades where covert warnings of violence were used against blacks. These guys really like being public, but also being secretive at the same time. <laughs> Visible, <laughs> but with a parade. <laughs> By 1922, the Klan had emerged as a direct participant in Florida politics. In the June primaries of that year, the Klan made a virtual clean sweep in Volusia County, carrying Daytona, Armand, DeLand uh, for its ticket, which included candidates for judicial, municipal, and legislative office. Spring break is spelt with three Ks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, that's stupid. In Miami, the annual flower parade was held. Uh, the Klan entered a float in the civic and fraternal division of this parade. Oh, good. <laughs> good for them. <laughs> Symbolizing the Klan's uh, fight against, quote, ignorance and superstition, the float showed a dragon attacking a little white boy. A dragon? Oh, yeah. It's cool. <laughs> Across the dragon's chest was written, quote, the enemies of American ideals. The dragon was depicted Uh, about to attack the small white boy in front of a red schoolhouse. Uh, Between the dragon and the boy stood three clansmen with drawn swords. Oh my god. Like, all that symbolism is so fucking stupid and cheesy. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, like so victim against this this monolith of danger. Did they believe that black people could turn into dragons? Like, what yeah. is like what is this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's more. So between the dragon and the boy, like I said, stood three clansmen. They had their swords drawn. And at the rear of the float, there was a paper mache mountain, inside of which there was an altar and a fiery cross protected by two more clansmen. Okay, so inside of a paper mache mountain, yeah. there was a paper mache cavern that had a paper mache cross that was on paper mache fire. Correct. This is amazing. It's very yeah, seriously on a craft. Like as we said earlier, that wasn't recorded on a crafts level. Like <laughs> fuck these guys. I hope they burn in hell forever. But on a craftsman level, like wow. <laughs> the attention to detail. It's it's that, and then four mounted clansmen were stationed at each corner of the float. So on top of all that other shit, they had four guys on each corner of the float on horses. This is an engineering marvel. And <laughs> engineering marvel, indeed. Uh, the float was then encircled with a forty-eight starred banner bearing the names of the states, and the float would, of course, go on to win first prize. At the uh, annual flower parade that year. 
Mm-hmm. Look at our flute. It's pretty. It was all designed by this like super awesome gay guy. That's what nobody knew. They were like, just don't tell anybody that you are just incredible design yeah. maverick and uh, you're going to build this for us. Hey, 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 hey. Since nobody can tell who you are, do you want, do you, do you, do you, do you want me to suck your dick? <laughs> no man just design the float alright yeah. maybe later maybe later I mean I can do both <laughs> uh, the clan would hold rallies and meet regularly in the open at the time 90% of the law enforcement officers judges public servants and lawyers in Winter Garden and Ocoee were members of the Invisible Empire 90% 90% were cops and judges So things have changed since then. <laughs> like ninety percent was it's pretty low. <laughs> yeah, it's it true. Yeah. They've evolved since. <laughs> uh, among the many men who were part of these Flora clans was a man named Sam Salisbury. Salisbury mistakes. <clears throat> he invented the steak. Uh, racism. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> racist steak. Here's some steak and juice. <laughs> Here's a little bit of have some racist steak juice. Here's a little white robe inside of the steak if you want to wear it. <laughs> Who doesn't want themselves a juicy juice steak? Just add water and they're mashed. So Salisbury moved to Florida from New York in 1912. <laughs> he was a military vet. He served in World War One. He was a pipe-smoking asshole who also became Orlando Chief of Police. His friends and colleagues called him Colonel Salisbury. <laughs> Colonel. Uh, he was a cop. <clears throat> it's the number one thread in this fucking podcast. They're always, it's always a cop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just like, it's just a line all through uh, every episode. Salisbury, who lived in McCoey, was a big fan of not allowing black people to vote. At the time, there was more lynching in Florida, more lynchings in Florida per capita than in any other state outside of Mississippi. So Florida was giving Mississippi its fucking wow. for its money for that's, lynchings. That's fucked up because like Mississippi, that's on the state flag. Then, <laughs> yeah, they actually. I just saw this on the news yesterday that they had a they had a thing they because they were talking about. Why is everybody talking about the crime rates in like New York and Chicago? And it's like, here's what would happen if we posted the crime rates for everywhere. And above and beyond everything was Mississippi at like a 20.65% crime rate. It was like ridiculous. Yeah. The next closest one was like 14. And it was all like Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, Louisiana. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesus. my friend, uh, they're, they're like reading and arithmetic rates <laughs> the low like their education levels are the lowest in the country by far yeah so so those probably go pretty hand in hand yeah wow pretty pretty obviously man it sucks well they just stand up for them against that dragon <laughs> yeah and, and they but and they willingly take federal money mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. yeah you know, kind of, kind of anti. Well, we had to, we had to build a volleyball stadium for Brett Favre's daughter. So, <laughs> <laughs> get that goddamn volleyball court up! I told you. I don't know how many times I got to <laughs> and funnel the money through my foundation first. I'm bread, goddamn fucking Favre. <laughs> Just do it. Damn it! I'm texting you. Uh, so during all this time, the number of black people moving to Ocoee began to increase. By 1920, there were just over a thousand residents living in Ocoee, with almost half of them being black. Wait, they were moving there, or they were captured and brought there? <laughs> well, their their grandparents were certainly uh. brought there by the founders of the town. Uh, but yeah, they'd started to. I guess some settled, and others were moving in. Two of these uh, black men hailed from South Carolina. One was named Julius Perry and the other Moses Norman. Both men built homes in Ocoee and settled there with their families. Julius began a, became a leader in the black community, a deacon in the church, a labor leader, 
and a member of the local fraternity lodge. Moses eventually purchased and worked a 100-acre farm and was the first one of the first people in Akoe to own a car. Nice. He was also a member of the fraternity lodge. Noble, noble folk. <clears throat> yes. For his part, Julius Perry quickly became noted and respected in the community. His wife, Estelle, his three sons and daughter, Caritha, lived on a large estate that included their home and several barns and outbuildings. They regularly opened their doors to anyone in need. If anyone was in trouble, they knew they could find advice and sanctuary in the Perry home. Just like Colonel Salisbury. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. So, uh, when the 1920 elections approached, Julius and Moses were at the forefront of getting black people, both men and women, registered, because this was around the time USA was like, women are people too, they could vote, I guess. (laughs) Um, So, they helped spread the word. They signed people up, and in some cases, they helped pay the poll tax for those who could not afford it. As word began to spread that black people wanted to vote, Newspapers began to stir up the conservative Democratic base. Fear and uncertainty were sparked in whites around the state by inflammatory headlines of how one paper put it, quote, The Negro population would soon take over and democracy be overrun by servants and cooks. Just, you know, impartial newspaper right there. <laughs> <laughs> just just trying to get... Just the news. This is how we see it. Just yeah. facts. as it is. Yeah, just facts here. Servants and cooks will be overrunning our democracy. How dare they? Um, Was that Ben Boleyn? Did Ben Boleyn write that also? <laughs> Andy Rooney. And what are these people? And what are these Andy servants Rooney. and cooks? My day. We didn't have servants and cooks. Shut up and shave your eyebrows. <laughs> uh. The exasperated, this exasperated the angst of many local whites, and especially the Klan, and people like Colonel Sam Salisbury. Blacks, they felt, were beginning to reach above their station and needed to be cut back down. In the weeks leading up to the 1920 election, the Klan sent out threatening letters to white leaders who had supported the black registration drive. The letters ordered them to stop the voter registration campaign or face the consequences. The letters were ignored. So the KKK held rallies in the streets of Orlando, Daytona, Miami, and Jacksonville. In complete white hoods and regalia, they marched around in attempts to show strength and scare off any blacks who would dare cast a ballot. Just that's like voter. It's like voter intimidation nowadays. We got dudes lined up with guns outside of polling stations and shit. Yeah, outside of drop boxes and stuff like that. Yep. So the um, the reports of the day said the Orlando rally had at least five hundred strong. Um, presidential election: the presidential election of nineteen twenty between Warren G. Harding and James M. Cox was the big election of the day. So while Harding was far from perfect, he ran on a platform that was against lynching. And at least for his day, Harding was a man who believed in racial equality on a, on a limited basis, of course, because, you know, he's white. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he ran on a platform on, you know, lynching. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't do that. Um, in fact, Harding once spoke, once spoke to an Alabama audience at a campaign rally where he told them that racial equality is what democracy is all about. Quote, Whether you like it or not, unless our democracy is a lie, you must stand for that equality. God, once again, you just bring this straight back. (laughs) It's it's like you knew him or something. It's uncanny. It's your grandfather telling you stories on his lap. (laughs) Incredible the way you have these these old ancient recordings. (laughs) The man himself. He's just got all these. Just fire. Close my eyes when you do that. And I close my eyes just so the, uh, the oh, audience man. knows that I just <laughs> go back there with you. So handlebar mustache. <laughs> <laughs> you, you reek of like every liquor possible. 
and also every cigar possible. My hand I mean, that's just now anyway. My hands in the lapels. Yeah. <laughs> Top hat. It's it's incredible. Uh, so <laughs> black uh, people in the audience were obviously uh, encouraged by this, and they cheered the candidate candidate wildly. The white people in the audience stood in silence, obviously dumbfounded that a white guy said that black people were, in fact, <laughs> people. <laughs> white people being quiet? They were dumbfounded. They're like, I don't think what yeah, the true. fuck did that guy just I say? Was to- I was totally going to vote for this guy until he said black people are human beings. Is he having a stroke? Yeah. Am I having a stroke? <laughs> let's, let's go, Marjorie. <laughs> They couldn't Let's believe. go Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> <laughs> she waddles away in her weird toes. Oh, Wait, why gross. do you know what her toes look like? Because everyone talks about them on Twitter. Oh. Yeah. Is it from probably like workout? I don't know. She's got hammer toes from, CrossFit from what people some say. Shit. Yeah. She um, see that. She's weird. She got pictures Bodily. of them? You got a link? <laughs> no. <laughs> Can you put it in the chat? Right now. Like right now. Just t- and can I shut off my camera? It's 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 gross, man. It looks like ET's head. Like you don't want this is not something you wanna You don't want this. You don't want to see this. If you want to sleep ever again, you don't want to see this. So a month before the election, uh the Klan began circulating another letter, this time to judges in southern districts. Uh, the one that was sent to Okoye read, quote, We shall always enjoy white supremacy. This country and he who interferes must face the consequences. Put that on the billboard outside of town. It was on the ticker outside of the Jacksonville Stadium. I love <laughs> the exact word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Georgia, right. Florida game. Right, right next to Kanye that. was right. And then the other one. <laughs> we will always enjoy white supremacy. Um, on November 1st, the day before the election, the KKK paraded through the streets of Ocoee, uh, through the black community late into the night. With megaphones, they warned that, quote, not a single Negro will be permitted to vote. And if any of them dared to do so, there would be dire consequences. Yes. Again, like the white, the white gangs... There's always been this like proliferation of yeah. black gangs and all this shit. Yeah, they're always in packs. But the white gangs are nonstop. They are relentless oh, yeah. throughout history. Yep. Yep. Um, so, yeah, despite these threats, intimidation, and all the other bullshit, black voters showed up to the polls on November 2nd, 1920. For most of the day, black men and women showed up and cast their votes. But some black voters started to be turned away from the polls, either by threats of violence or by poll workers who found their names mysteriously absent from the voter registration rolls. Hmm. <clears throat> this sounds like today. <laughs> yeah. Voter ID is a thing that must happen. Um, pollsters told the black voters that they needed to get documentation from notary public R.C. Bigelow to verify that they were indeed registered to vote. So just Dude. one notary could like yeah, authenticate that. Correct. And this RC Bigelow happened to be a massive racist <laughs> who with a, with a name like RC Bigelow. <laughs> <laughs> My name is RC Bigelow and I'm a racist. I was born racist, <laughs> die racist. My name is RC Bigelow. Come to me, African Americans, and I, I'll notarize it. You know he wasn't calling them African Americans. <laughs> yeah. So this guy Bigelow conveniently decided to have himself uh, a fishing trip that day, so he couldn't be found in his office. He was out for the day on election day, um, knowing that black people would come and try to get uh, their names verified. So, our guy Moses Norman, he went to vote, and he was also turned away. So, Moses got on his horse, and he rode to Orlando to find a uh, Judge Cheney, who was one of the few non-racist lawyers slash judges in Florida. Few non-racist Cheneys? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the one non-racist Cheney in the existence of 
Old Cheney's. Cheney's, yeah. Um, so he he went to Cheney's like, you know, this is what's happening. So Cheney instructed Moses to write down all the names of any black voter who were not allowed to vote and also take down the names of poll workers who had denied who denied them of their right to vote. And he told uh, Moses that a lawsuit against the county could be brought to contest the, to contest this violation if he got all the names down. So they're like, we can seek legal action. Every once in a while, there's a unicorn that pops up there. <laughs> yeah. In the, in the and this story. one's named Janie. <laughs> Out of all the names. I know, yeah. Did not expect that. Did not expect it. <laughs> but like most uh, you know, white people who are trying to help blacks, completely and stupidly misinformed, like, all you have to do is get names. Right. <laughs> and then it'll be fine. Like, and then send them back his way. Like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Thanks for if nothing. If you just follow the protocols, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. things will happen for you the way you'd like them to. Yeah, I'm sure that these white racists will give a black man their names as he's writing them down. I'm sure they'll be willingly <laughs> tell you their names and addresses. But anyway, so black Moses – Please don't make me do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's any other, is there any other way? Um, but apparently not. So Moses went back to the polling place, and when he got there, he was met by a, a group of uh, white men who refused to let him to vote. They intimidated and threatened him to leave, but Moses would not budge. He told the white men, "Quote: We will vote by God." An altercation then ensued. Moses went and got his shotgun from his car. But when he came back, he was overpowered by the growing crowd of angry white men, and he was beaten by the men. Moses managed to escape, and he ran to Julius Perry's house. Even with Moses gone, the group of white men began to grow, and soon a mob had formed. The mob was led by our guy, Colonel Sean Sam Salisbury. Sorry. So I'm, pict- I'm picturing Sean, Sean Salisbury, the yes. former Vikings quarterback. <laughs> Wasn't his first name Sean? <laughs> it has to be because it just rattled out of my head. Yeah, it might have been. Dude, he hasn't been. He hasn't been on TV in like yeah, two there's decades. So many sports tie-ins to these uh, <laughs> legacy stories. That guy hasn't been on. That guy was like off of ESPN in like <laughs> yeah. 2002. Well, he like disappeared. <laughs> Number nine. I feel, I feel bad Number now. Number nine. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it's not Sean Salisbury. Sean Salisbury. <laughs> Please don't sue us, Sean Salisbury. Not that one. That was a mix-up. So yeah. the mob was led by Colonel Sam Salisbury. <laughs> His twin brother. Uncle. <laughs> and he nicknamed, he nicknamed the mob the Justice Seekers. So much branding with these fucking And it's always so fucking dorky. Guys. The Invisible Empire. Good names, man. Justice Can we just call ourselves a dumbass racist? (laughs) No, man. It's gotta be cool It's gotta be like invisible keepers of the oath or something like that. I want to paint it on the side of my van with flames and shit. (laughs) Such fuckheads. (laughs) So, uh, Sal, did they even know what invisible meant? <laughs> like, did that just sound like a cool word? <laughs> right. How the fuck they know what it. It, like what's visible and invisible? <laughs> uh, so Salisbury marched the justice seekers uh, over to Moses Norman's house, but he wasn't there. Obviously, someone had tipped him off that Moses had been hiding in Julius Perry's house. So, as night fell, the white mob grew in size to about a hundred men strong. Some of the men had arrived from Orlando after Salisbury sent word to join them. Salisbury demanded that Julius bring Moses out to them. So at the moment, at that moment, Salisbury grabbed Julius by the arm and then put him in a headlock. Julius's daughter, Caritha, responded to this by putting a rifle in Salisbury's belly. Salisbury instinctively brushed the weapon aside. In that tense moment, the gun fired. Salisbury was struck in the arm. He retreated out of the door and rolled on the ground to escape. Two other men, Elmer McDaniels and Leo Borgard, rushed through the door after Salisbury was shot. Both of these men were immediately shot and killed. 
A hail of gunfire erupted in both directions. Caritha was shot in the arm. Though the wound was not life-threatening, she would have a scar on the arm for the rest of her life. So, yeah. So Salisbury grabs Julius. The daughter shoots him in the arm. He doubles back and he rolls on the ground and runs away. Two other guys rush through the house and immediately get shot and killed. These are Salisbury's men. These are Salisbury's men. These are part okay. of the Justice Seekers. Oh, the Justice Seekers. Two down. Um, Fuck. Caritha like, and her while, father... Well, that's great. I feel like the ramifications of that are going to be... Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. So, Caritha uh, and her father, Julius. Caritha and her father, Julius, so valiantly defended Moses and their home that some in the mob were convinced there was a large group of people inside the house. Badasses. Yeah. So the mob retreated, and they went out to get reinforcements from clan members in Winter Garden, Orlando, and Sanford. Julius had been seriously injured during the melee. Knowing the mob could return at any moment, Julius's wife took him into a sugarcane field so that he could tend to his wounds. And when the mob returned to the house, they found that Julius was gone. Forgetting about Moses now, they went, now started, began a manhunt to find Julius. Uh, so yeah, these guys started trying to find Moses because he was trying to vote. And now because they get one of the, two of their guys got shot and Salisbury got shot in the arm. Um, so Julius's gunshot wound was so bad that he, he was forced to head to Orlando General Hospital. And after being treated there, he was released into the custody of Sheriff Frank Gordon. Released? Gordon to took sheriff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he went to the hospital, and yeah, so the, he was released into the sheriff's custody. One account says that the the sheriff took Julius to the jailhouse to kind of like to protect him from the mob, but we're not sure exactly how or why. <clears throat> but yeah, he took him to the jailhouse, and he left him there. Uh, but Salisbury's men had grown into full on lynch mob. They marched to the jail before dawn and demanded Sheriff Gordon hand Julius over to them. Without much of a fight, Gordon handed over the keys. The mob seized Julius and began to beat him. They dragged him through the streets behind a car before arriving at the entrance to Orlando Country Club. So they dragged him, they dragged him around, they tied him to the car and dragged him around. Um, So now he was near death and Julius was taken off the car, and was strung up by the mob and hanged off a telephone pole along the highway. The mob then riddled his dangling body with bullets. They hung a sign on Julius's dead body that read, quote, this is what we do to N-words that vote. And they just left him there <clears throat> with the sign hanging on him. From there, the mob then began to attack every black person they saw on the street. Throughout the day and into the early morning hours of November 4th, as late as 4.45 a.m., the white mob terrorized the northern community. They torched every house in the black part of town. When those inside were forced out to run from the fire, they were then shot on sight. Those who were not shot were beaten and tortured. One account... So so two guys try to vote. Yeah. Yeah, and now we're two here. guys try to vote, and this is how it escalates. Yeah, we're we're burning down homes and then waiting for people to run out of the burning houses so they can shoot them. Men, women, children—it didn't matter. So if anybody, so if anybody ever wonders why we have these voter suppression laws. Like, I mean, (laughs) yeah, this is like, yeah. yeah. So (laughs) at least one account said that a household of eight people had their home firebombed and they all ran out, out of the back of the house to try to escape the flames, but were then snagged in chicken wire and burned alive. Jesus. Some in the black community fought back. However, a small gunfight broke out until the blacks ran out of ammunition and were forced to run into the swamps to hide. 
In total, about 500 black residents were forced to flee Ocoee, making it one of the first exclusively white towns in Florida in the 20th century. In all, about 56 black residents were killed, with only a handful of whites dying in the riot. Over 20 buildings were burned down to the ground, including churches, schoolhouses, a lodge room, and businesses. In 2001, one survivor of the massacre recalled that night saying he had to sleep high up in a tree. He was obviously a little kid when this happened. Yeah, um, yeah for know, real. A toddler or something. Yeah, yeah. And he, recollect, he recollected that he wasn't sure if he was more afraid of being discovered by the Klan or by the Panthers that roamed the nighttime wilderness of rural central Florida. For real. Man, monsters. Yeah, real-life monsters. So for nearly a week after the incident, the Klan had troops set up around the town, and they kind of set up an embargo. No one was allowed to enter or leave without their permission. The third, the third of Okoe's black population who owned their own land were never able to return to their properties. Those who were offered any compensation at all were forced to sell their land for pennies on the dollar. One resident was paid only $10 for a 37-acre tract of land. That's the, uh, that's the bread and butter of American racism, is the landowning aspect where <clears throat> you have no access to it and you have no way to gain the equity from it and you have no way to like even get into that game. It's purely a white person's game. Or and yeah, the land you did own is no longer yours. And if you want it back, you got to pay a fortune for it. Yeah. Right. You have no legitimate claim yep. to that. This is this whole story is just like completely crazy to me because, I mean, us, all three of us, having grown up here, like I've never heard this before. I mean, this, mm. this is like reminds me of like how just a couple years ago, really the history of Tulsa just kind of came like right. was finally brought to the surface like this is like yeah this is like For literally sure, yeah. like almost like an ethnic cleansing of orlando i mean when yeah. people think of orlando now they think of like you know like the city beautiful or whatever mm. and you know the pride flags and the soccer stadium and like you know i mean it's just like wow we can't have no. these things <laughs> yeah, of course of not age. like we need little white kids to feel very good about themselves growing up. They go to sleep as every the token night white person fun. on this podcast. I can assure you that we can't handle that. <laughs> we can't handle that. <laughs> you cannot tell us we were Our bad. Our, our hearts are too fragile. We can't handle truth in any way. We can't make I ourselves need to better, be better than you. <laughs> Oh, disgusting. <laughs> a month after the, uh, the massacre, a celebratory dinner was thrown for the white ex-servicemen who participated in the massacre under the guise of, quote, restoring order to the town. If Salisbury steak wasn't served. Wow, Salisbury steak is so good, though. Now I'm, I'm going to have to boycott it. Racist steak. <laughs> Siege is going to go to a 7-Eleven after this, and he's going to get a, a hungry man frozen meal. Or, or, or fire a, that baby up. Or an Eastern Airlines flight in 1982. You get a nice Salisbury steak. <laughs> just going to get a flight just for that. Yeah. Just, I'm going to fly <laughs> Miami to Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> Take a bus back. Um, in the aftermath, smoldering black bodies were found in the burnt-out buildings. Moses Norman was never found, though some historians believe he perished in the Perry House when it burned down, while other historians say he escaped with his wife and they moved to New York City. They are the ones that went out into the, like, the fields, right? Because he was injured in that, and she... Uh, well, Moses was the first guy that they were after, and he hid in, in the Perry House, and then when everything went oh, down... Okay. Sorry. They sort of forgot about him. So some think he died in the house and some think he just ran off and escaped. So Julius went out with his wife. Yeah, yeah. Julius was the one that was lynched. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his daughter is the one who, who shot up the, the white assholes. 
and lived to a ripe old age. Um, Julius Perry's wife and daughter were able to escape with minor wounds, and they lived the rest of their lives in Tampa. No one was ever prosecuted for Julius Perry's murder. The whole the fucking town, election you can't ca- prosecute the whole goddamn town. Yeah, and they had, they had, you know, they were like, this guy, Salisbury, led this whole fucking thing, and, you know, nothing. Um, the House Election Committee of Congress was called to investigate the riot and voter suppression in Florida, but they never did. Over the years, historians and Floridians did everything they could to not talk about a code. Hmm. <laughs> never even heard of it before today. Never heard of it. Yeah, never heard for of real. it before today. Just One prominent up. leader said, quote, the position among the old core of the community was, let's just not talk about it. What good will it do? Um, it fucking worked for these assholes. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. Yeah, and these white people, are the, the people in charge are white, and they're like, let's not talk about it. I wonder if there's like any like sort of commemorative plaque or something just hidden somewhere i mean like anything to recognize that this happened at all yeah you know well in 2018 akoi was uh akoi released a proclamation acknowledging the massacre a formal apology to descendants in the works is in the works and the florida legislature recently passed a law requiring that akoi election day massacre be taught in florida schools although you know, who knows? Although Ron DeSantis is in charge, so who the fuck knows? <clears throat> well, he profited he profits from the history books. Like he's in cahoots yeah. with the the publishing company or something oh, yeah. like that for the Florida right. textbooks, yep. Yep, right? Yep. So of course that probably yep. won't make it in. Even though it was, it was passed. Maybe twenty years from now, guys. <laughs> Just keep waiting. <laughs> yeah. Just keep waiting. It's fine. You've keep waited waiting. this long, right? Um Fox. While Moses Norman, Julius Perry, and the black residents of Ocoee were not allowed to cast their vote, their candidate, Warren Harding, won the 1920 presidential election in one of the largest landslide victories in election history. Harding got 531 electoral votes and captured over 60% of the popular vote. Five, wait, what? How many electoral 531. 7,000. <laughs> Two that's billion. No, but seriously, <laughs> five hundred thirty-one electoral yeah. votes is pretty. Yeah, that's and, a seismic, and a good number of that is because of the black vote turned out for him uh, across the country. How did he reward? That? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, he he did like he did trust. do some good, but you know, for example. He endorsed uh, the Leonidas C. Dreyer anti-lynching bill, uh, but the bill failed to even reach the Senate floor after the Southern-led Congress filibustered it. Didn't they literally just two months ago say that, like, like pass a bill in the House or the Senate or some one of them, that lynching is a hate crime? Yeah, it just, just recently, yep. Yeah. <sighs> yep, and Harding was one of yeah. the first to do that, and, and the— the house was the Congress was led by Southern assholes, and that was what year that right. Harding did that. Nineteen twenty-one, Jesus, or so? and it's twenty twenty-two. Yeah, hundred years, uh, years to get there. But, um, but we can safely say now that lynching is bad. Well, <laughs> like fifty-one percent of us depends depends on who your now. senator is. So Harding. Uh, spoke out against the Tulsa massacre, which happened just a year after Coey, saying, quote, God grant that in the soberness, the fairness, and the justice of this country, we never see another spectacle like it. Two years after he said this, the Rosewood racial massacre happened in January 1923. Yep. Um, Colonel Sam Salisbury died in 1974 at the age of 84. Hooray! These fuckers always live to like the fucking ripe oldest of age. Please tell me a Cuban guy. Should <laughs> <laughs> he ripped his eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> he ripped his eyes out. 
and shoved it in his asshole. Uh, yeah, so yeah, he was 84. But unfortunately, probably not. He, he just was sleeping. Yeah, exactly. He died, he died, he died peacefully, surrounded by his family. Yep. He never did any time for leading the murderous mob and the death of Julius Perry. On June 21st, 2019, a historical marker honoring Julius Perry was placed during a ceremony in Heritage Square outside of the Orange County Regional History Center. So there is a plaque. Twenty um, fucking nineteen. Yeah, just a couple years ago. Um, on October third, twenty twenty, the Orange County Regional History Center opened the exhibition called "Yesterday This Was Home: The Ocoee Massacre of Nineteen Twenty, Recognizing the Hundred Year Anniversary of the Massacre." It includes original research and an interactive land deed map of Black landowners, testimony of family descendants, and a full series of educational programs. Well, you know, it's like fucked up, no doubt, but some movement towards acknowledgement is I want to be. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's so precarious because DeSantis is likely going to be reelected and God knows what the fuck he's going to do. But but even within that, there's like shoots. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, empathy and understanding and. And acknowledgement. Right. Acknowledgement is a huge part shit. of it. Because think about it, dude. That's almost 100 years since it's happened before there was any – I mean, look, I, I don't want to like shit on it, but it's a fucking plaque. You know? It's like <laughs> – Yeah. yeah. Uh, give, give, give some land or something like that as uh, some compensation. Dude, real compensation even, even really Mobile, get about it. Even Mobile, Alabama has like – a monument to slaves who were murdered and stuff like that. This is fucking Alabama. Yeah. And yeah. And there's still descendants from, (laughs) from the people that suffer in a And yeah, like you said, like they should, there should be some compensation for sure. Um, not just an apology and a plaque. I mean, that's, that's such horseshit. No, like material financial compensation. Um, now as for Sydney J cats, a year after the massacre, he was indicted by the Bradford County Grand Jury for accepting a $700 bribe to pardon J.J. Coleman, who was given life imprisonment in 1918 for the murder of a deputy sheriff. There was also a federal warrant issued against Sidney for the forced slavery of two black people forced to work on his plantation for no pay. When he was arrested two days later, Sidney stated, quote, my enemies won't let me alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're like a piece of shit. They're all fucking Donald so, Trump. People are going to come after you for being a fucking piece of shit. Uh, on August 16, 1921, he stated that he was confident that he would be acquitted on all charges. In November, his initial indictment was recharged and two other indictments were also issued. On May 16, 1922, his defense's motion to dismiss the indictments against Katz's bribery charges was accepted by the judge. Two months later, he filed a petition of voluntary bankruptcy as he had less than $2,000 in assets. On November 20th, Sidney J. Katz was acquitted by an all-white jury for the involuntary servitude and bribery charges, and the federal charges against him were later dropped. Motherfucker got away with it. Uh, so surprised. Sidney J. Katz died on March 9th, 1936, at the age of 72. In 1979, his house in Defuniac Springs, Florida, was added to the National Register. Can you pronounce the name of that? Defuniac. Defuniac Springs. Thank you. Um, the house was added to... I don't know what the pronunciation it's is. It's D-E-F-U-N-I-A-K. Uh, listeners, if you have a better pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, you know they're just going to type it and send it into us. And then we're just going to read it the same stupid I don't know. It says Defuniac here on this email, guys. I was right. This one says Defuniac. <laughs> well, his house in Defuniac was added to the National Register of Historic Places. What? Oh, fucking uh, hell, man. So if you can you can visit it and go piss on it. But, I mean, you'll get arrested, but, you know, 
It's there. Um, What's the address? Can we look it up on the It's Defuniac. <laughs> Defuniac Road. Um, I'm sure you could, like, just write Sydney J. Cat's house. And it'll the last up. one we looked up was just a... Like, yeah. <laughs> it was a, a peek into the well, void. The, the murder field. The murder house was not. The really. murder field that they won't sell you. <laughs> um, so, tying it all back, in 2018, Floridians overwhelmingly voted to pass Amendment 4, restoring the voting rights to over a million people with felony, felony convictions. Which was enormous. That had completed their enormous. Sentence. I thought it was like such a big watershed moment. Yeah, it was a big deal. Yep. And which Ron DeSantis has been fighting ever since, trying to find people. Because loopholes. most of these ex-felons who did their time were black, are black. Uh, mm. Soon after this vote passed, Governor Ron DeSantis enacted a law requiring the newly eligible voters to pay off all outstanding, outstanding yep. court fines, fees, costs, and restitutions or legal financial obligations in order to vote. So basically a poll tax. Yeah. He transparently attempted to undermine the wishes of Florida's voters and to eliminate and silence disproportionately black voters from exercising their fundamental right to vote. This year, he created the Office of Election Crimes and Security, an office made up of mostly cops to tighten (laughs) voting laws in the wake of former President Trump's false claims that the 2020 election was stolen. On August 18th of this year, cops began conducting arrests hours before DeSantis called a news conference to tout his crackdown on alleged voter fraud. 19 people were arrested. Of those 19, 13 were black. Um, at least one of those arrested had their case dismissed recently after a judge ruled that the statewide prosecutor didn't have jurisdiction, but DeSantis has said he will appeal it. And now, if polls are to believe, be believed DeSantis will be reelected uh, on Tuesday, and who the fuck knows where it goes from here. Uh, but that what is the uh, what's the current spread there in Florida in terms of Chris and him? He's uh, DeSantis is up by most in most polls by like about 10, 10 points. <laughs> like it's not looking. Yeah, um, but Florida, I love you, baby. But come on, man. Well, dude, I mean, unfortunately, it's like, well, like we got Charlie Crist, like running against. I'm sorry, but the dude can't inspire a pussy fart. It's like, like I mean, it's it's just like I I don't know about that analogy. Ron DeSantis can inspire a pussy fart, but I can't. Vote for me. <laughs> I feel like I've inspired a pussy fart before, but it's been through rig- rigorous exercise. So, so it's not like an easy thing. So, I mean, so for me, it's, you, it's you're out having run for governor, Roger. It's, it's happened when, you know, it slips out and you slip it back slip it in. Back in yeah, but it's been from like rigorous sexual it's activity. It's not, it's, it's not inspiration. It's just, it's just air. Air got trapped. And... Yeah, it's not like he's not uh, Gandhi. <laughs> Of a pussy of any sort. <laughs> How do you know? Fair. <laughs> I bet you. A- I bet you Andrew Gillum could have. <laughs> this is derailed. All right. All right. Pussy back, farts. Yeah. Back to the. Yeah, you know, that's the story. That's the end of the story. It ends with pussy farts. <laughs> well done, everyone. Yeah. Thanks, um, guys. All my research. And <laughs> ends with a pussy fart. But this is. A cautionary fucking tale right here. Yes. For any, you know, un, you know, slightly in the middle listener, which I sincerely doubt, given our proclivities. Someone's like, I don't know, man. Can this guy inspire pussy farts? <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, if you're listening to this on Monday, please go vote. Yeah, please tomorrow. just fucking vote. Please just fucking vote. Good Lord. I already did and was surrounded by guys with guns as I dropped it off at the Dropbox. No, <laughs> no, not really. No, not really. Luckily, okay. I, I actually went to... You're not in Arizona, uh, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, dude, they got that shit in fucking Dade County, Broward County, bro. Like, it's... it's 
it's nuts. I actually went to like the supervisor of elections office and they had sweet old ladies out there. I mean, cause you know, they got to have the, the boxes manned now. So they had the sweet old ladies out there giving you the, I voted early sticker and everything else like that. And they were totally cool. But like, I mean, it's all over the news down here. They got Dade County, Broward County. I'm sure they got God. Once we start getting north of here, like in Martin, Indian River, like, dude, you know, there's probably people with 50 cows strapped to the back of their truck just sitting in a voting box. Yeah. Fun times. But uh, go yeah, go vote anyway. Fuck them. Because fuck Absolutely. them. Absolutely. For sure. Um, so vote right in their faces. The sources for this story are the uh, sources are important. Give us those sources. The Akoi yeah. on Fire, the 1920 Election Day Massacre by Jason Byrne. What year did that come out? Uh, this came yeah. out in 2018. Wow, it's, it's a long, it a while. long it's ass good. article. This kind of stuff out. The Ku Klux Klan in the Sunshine State by David Chalmers. A Coey Massacre of 1920 when one black man voting sparked over 30 murders by Jacob Shelton. And The Time White People Burned and Pillaged a Black Community on Election Day by Vice Reporter <laughs> Deborah Douglas. That's a great title, man. Every like racist fucking thing that happens, the New York Times should have that exact kind of title <laughs> mentality to it. Hey, yeah. White people kill black people. Yeah. This many. <laughs> Fuck them. Instead well, yeah, of, I mean the first three the first sure. three things were written by white dudes and this one was, was a black woman. Fantastic. Black and I got right to black it. Black women forever, man. That time white people burned and pillaged the black community on election day by reporter Deborah Douglas. So right on Deborah, Deborah Douglas. Douglas. Love you. <laughs> just right on the money no no fucking around Deborah yeah I love that love, love that, that. <laughs> hell yeah Deborah Douglas everybody this is your friend siege and on behalf of the guys at five reasons sports i'd like to thank you for listening to our ridiculousness you can follow the show on twitter at fl man murders and on instagram at florida man murders pod follow chris on twitter at by chris joseph and on instagram at chris joseph 13 give roger a follow on twitter at dat roro kid and you can find me on twitter instagram tiktok youtube OnlyFans, whatever all at siegeness do us a solid and hit that subscribe button Give us a rating, five stars if you're feeling sassy. Leave us a comment and let us know what mysterious Florida mayhem you'd like to hear us talk about. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, steal a stranger's phone and subscribe for them. The only way this grows is with your help. Love you. Mean it. Bye. Florida Man Murders is a five-reason sports production. Researched, written, and produced by Chris Joseph. Music by Roger Rimada. All source material can be found by visiting floridamanmurders.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, kids, only assholes murder. So, don't be an asshole.